Amen. It's a blessing to have uh, Bradley with us. Already introduced him some, so I'm not going to go through all that again. But Bradley, come and share with, with us what God's doing in your life, brother. I'll give Bradley a hand tonight for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think I'm on. I'm on. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on. Isn't it good to know that we're loved by the Father? That He is so big. That, that song is so beautiful. That He is so big and so grand, yet He considers us. Isn't, isn't that beautiful? Man, praise the Lord. Um, if we could, go ahead and get, my, get that first slide up there, my friend. That is not the first slide. That's okay. The one with all the people. How about that one? Yes, yes. Good, good deal. I might have sent that to you out of order. It's okay. It's all good. So, I would like to introduce to you to my, to my friends, Bez, Abigail, Tuka, and Setsa. So Bez is the one taking the selfie. If you're the selfie guy, that's, that's who Bez is. He's got the long arms. He's tallest, usually. Um, Abigail is the one in the Mizzou hoodie. She's, she's from Peru. Um, Bez is from a country in Africa. Setsa is actually the shortest one in, in the group. She's the one at the very front. She's from a different country in Africa. Tuka is the one in the very back. Um, he's from another country in Africa. Three different countries in Africa that are represented there. And that's me, um, in case you couldn't already tell. Um, that's, that, that's Pastor Aaron. He's the pa- pastor of the church that I'll get to be at in, in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, it's called Rejoice Free Old Baptist. And that's, that's Miss Sonia. She's actually the leader of this Bible study that I got to be a part of. And what was so cool about this Bible study is not only that there are five different countries represented during this Bible study, but there's, there's also um, the, these, these students are disciples for Christ. And isn't, isn't that kind of unique to hear? Like these, these students being from other countries are, are disciples for Christ and they're convicted to have, and they have the burden to make disciples and start and do, do their own multiplication process. That, that's special. And we're studying through the book of Acts, right? And if, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, it's about the apostles' journeys. After, after Jesus had ascended into heaven and he told them to go into all the world and preach the, the gospel to every, to every creature, every nation, and these students are studying through the book of Acts. So not only are they just in a Bible study, not only can you call them disciples for Christ, but they're learning about what the cost is to actually follow him. Isn't that special? So, so often, like, I, I don't even understand what the true cost it is to follow him sometimes. And these, these students, you have to consider where they're coming from, too. A lot of them come from different religious backgrounds, and the cost to actually follow Jesus is much higher than ours. And they have that conviction to be disciples anyway. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Uh, like, praise the Lord for that. So now, now, now my new friend's time at, at Mizzou has actually come to an end. They, that's Missouri University, or Missouri. Some, they say Missouri up there. It's not even how you say it. Uh, Missouri, Missouri, Missouri University. They're, they've graduated, and their time has come to an end. They've, they're going to move on and be whoever it is the Lord aspires for them to be, and they each have that unique burden to reach their own families, to return home and reach their own families in their own language, in their own tongue, in their own tribe. Now, that is just an awesome opportunity. If you're, if you, maybe your brains are already kind of moving here like, like mine are. The, these, these students are counting the cost, and I get to be, I get to be an international student missionary in Columbia, Missouri, Columbia, Missouri with the goal of making more disciples for the nations like my new friends here. And this is through a ministry called the Axis. That's actually um, our logo, and it's a ministry that Pastor Aaron and I came up with that I get to lead out, um, or that my fiancé, and soon-to-be wife, I am engaged, so ladies, calm down. Um, <laughs> so, I, yeah, she, 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 she wants me to say that. But um, anyways, 
So we, we get to lead this ministry called the Axis, and its whole heart is, is uh, making disciples of international students. So um, if we could go on to that next slide. You, you may ask me, why Mizzou? Why Mizzou, right? Um, there's colleges all over the country. Um, why don't you just go to NC State, you know? Well, Mizzou ranks top 40 amongst colleges in the country as far as international student presence with over 3,000 international students on campus. And I actually believe that number has bumped up to about 3,500. All the numbers that you see here on the screen have actually increased since I pulled these stats because COVID is over, borders have opened back up, you know, students are coming to our, people are, the, the borders have opened back up, people are coming to our country more often, tra freedom of travel is there. And there are around 50 different countries represented on campus at Mizzou. Countries like China, and India and South Korea actually have the most representation. And if you think about it, maybe with the exception of South Korea, actually, um, but China and India especially, and some countries in Africa, these are countries that we as Christians have a, have a pretty hard time getting into, unless, unless we use some sort of loophole like English teaching or medicine, right? We can't, we can't just outright say, hey, I'm, I'm a missionary. Let me preach the gospel and come into your country. We can't just really say that and then go into these countries. We can't do that unless we use those loopholes like we said. But the thing is, these countries are sending students to us. And they're not just sending students, they're sending lost students to us. These, these students may have misrepresentations of who Jesus is. These things that you and I value here in America, they, they don't really get Christianity. Maybe, maybe they just don't, know, they've never even heard the gospel. They don't get to open the Bible every day. These are these kind of students being sent to our country. My, my, my dear friend, he's actually, he, used to, he used to be the pastor at Rejoice Free Old Baptist, and um, he's the Missouri Missions Director. His name is Steve Reeves. Um, he shared with me a stat, and he said 80% of international students never get welcomed to an American home. Never get welcomed to an American home. And that, whenever I first heard that, I'm like, it makes me feel like we're kind of failing. There are opportunities that are all around us. Not even just in not even just in Columbia, that that's 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 true for here in North Carolina and wherever we're at. Eighty percent never get welcomed to an American home. We, we we're not recognizing the opportunities that are around us. And I heard that I heard that sound like Steve, that that your, your joke that can't be true. Yeah, I don't know where you you probably just made that up to make me come to Missouri. I don't know, but I actually got to be a part of a group that went to we celebrated the Fourth of July together in, in Columbia. I was there last week. And I met two Chinese students, and uh, we we introduced to, to, to we, we introduced these ourselves to one another. And one's name is Zhu Chen, and the other's name is Sam. One's English is much more broken than the other. But short in short, one of them told one of them told me, "Hey, I lived out of my car for for a little while because I didn't feel like I had the community or, or friends that that I could set, that I could actually ask for help." And I'm like. That 80% just came to the front of my mind, and I'm, gave me chills. It gives me chills just talking about it now. And then Sam, his English was much more broken. He, he shared that he's no stranger to something like that, to having to stay at somebody else's house because he has no place to live, ha having to sleep in his car at night because he doesn't feel like he has the friends that have that kind of community. They don't know what it's like to have a family away from family. And it's not like they, they're from the other side of the world. They can't just... They can't just go home like a lot of students can, right? They don't have that. They don't have that luxury. Well, Re Rejoice Free Old Baptist Church, well, I'll, I'll be on staff. It is located five minutes from downtown Columbia, and its proximity is huge because 
the international students don't have transportation. They, they don't have a car. So the proximity is huge. Even five minutes is, is kind of, is kind of a, lar- a long way to go for most students. But we're going to work out area, ways to carpool and, and, and all that good stuff. But it's, it's, it'll be used to host events like, like English parties like, so we can meet them with their needs and, ha- and students can practice their general English skills. The English, they want English. They need English because in their schooling, in their education, English is the universal language. They want to learn it even in the most general terms. And they take every opportunity they can to practice it, even if they don't even know it. It's so, it's so, it's, sometimes it's comical, but it, it's true. It's true. And most importantly, beyond all this, be exposed to the gospel in a community that makes these students feel valued. So they actually have that value that Jesus Christ has for them. And I, I love to imagine this. Imagine this is Rejoice Free Old Baptist Church. I'm about to trip over this. Imagine this is Rejoice Free Old Baptist Church. We're having an English party. Or we're, we're, we're celebrating Thanksgiving here in this building together. These students not only maybe met an American for the first time in their life, they actually had a conversation with me, an American, for the first time in their life. Maybe they, they, have, they get to share an American meal with American people for the first time in their life. They get to walk into the church doors for the very first time in their life. They get to practice English for probably for the first time in a, a few weeks, maybe, maybe. Or, and then they get, they get to be exposed to the gospel for the first time in their life in one night. That's, that's what we want to do. That is what we want to do. I, I love to imagine that. I, I believe it's possible. But why, why should you care? Why, why should you care? Do, do I need to remind you of our calling as followers of Jesus Christ from Matthew 28? The Great Commission to go into all the nation. I, I just said it, and probably every missionary that has ever come to a service like this is, has a sermon ready on the Great Commission, but it's true. It's true. And I'm not, I don't, I don't mean to make light of, of missionaries that are going to other nations. I don't. If you have that conviction here, I believe that is beautiful, and you should do it. Because the gospel is not, there's a lot of places in the world that the gospel is just not present. I believe you should go. But the nations are coming to us. They're here. They're here. Jesus in John 4, and this is actually where um, I'm going to be preaching out of tonight. Jesus in John 4 says the fields are white for harvest. And these students are in our backyards. And you and I could have the unique opportunity to be a missionary in a place where 50 different countries are represented at the same time. Now, we don't get to say that about everywhere. I want to invite Highland Drive to be a part of this with me. And the prayer is, and this is something that I've had to communicate, because whenever I'm presenting this to churches in North Carolina, they're like, hey, it's in Missouri. It's not here. Maybe we'd care a little bit more if it was here. Well, the access won't be limited to Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, that's that's where it's going to start, because that's where God opened the door first. But our prayer is that the access will not just stay there, but that it will take root there and be planted all over the country in diverse college towns all, all, across the, all across the country. And that gives students access to the gospel on a, global, on a global scale right in one town. Right in one town. And it's not just stopping. In, in Columbia, again, it's, it's on a global scale. And that, that's, that is what we want to do. So you and I can make a disciple of a student from China or from India or from Africa, send them back to their home country when their time in the States is over where they can start their own multiplication process. That's, that's disciples, making more disciples, making more disciples. That's two, turn it into four, turn it I'm not, I'm, gonna, I'm not good at math. That's my fiance's job. I'm going to stop there. But 
we could start that multiplication process, and that's in their own culture. That's in their own culture, and we're all called, and there's so much opportunity to act on, so I want to ask you to help me get there. I'm trying to get there in August or September, because that's when the school year starts. It's ideal. I want to be grounded before uh, the school year actually begins. So I want you to help me get there, and we can make disciples as we're called to together. I know you're not going, but you can send me there, and I can do it. We, we can do it together by the grace of God. So I want to throw up a connect slide. That's actually the first slide that you, that you put up there. This is a connect slide right here. If you don't know how QR codes work, that is okay. Do not feel bad. I, I, have, I have the same QR codes on a business card. I have so many ways you can connect with me, but I want to ask you to do something that Pastor Luke has probably never asked you to do, and that's to get out your phone right now and scan one of these QR codes. Again, if it doesn't work, that is okay. I have other, I have other ways you can connect with me. So if you, if you feel led to be a monthly supporter right now, scan that one on the right. If you'd rather pray over it or, or wait and pray over it, scan that QR code on the left and be connected with me. I'm on social media platforms, Instagram. I have a Facebook group that I, I just like to update, update people and especially people that support me. I want them to know what's going on. I want them to know what's going on. I also have a bi-weekly newsletter um, that goes out every Tuesday morning or every other Tuesday. So if, again, if you'd rather be connected with me in some other way, there's, there's other ways to do that. Come see me after service. I'd love to give you a handshake, give you a hug. I'm a hugger. I'm a mama's boy. So come give me a hug. I'd love to talk to you. But let me get that next slide, actually. How, how, how can you pray for me? And I, I believe prayer is so powerful. Do you guys believe prayer is powerful? Do you guys believe in the power of prayer? I, I do, too. And I believe that God will even honor the boldest of prayers. So we, we as Christians, we as a church, should ask bold things. Because God will honor them. He'll honor them if it's his will. The Lord promises in Psalm 145, 18, that he will be near to all who call on him in truth. And I like, whenever I read that verse, I like to think of it this way. We amplify the power of prayer when we pray together as a church. So I want to ask you to pray that through this ministry we would see 10, 10 international souls saved in the first year. That, that number may, need, may seem small to you. It may seem big to you. It's kind of big to me, but I think God's capable of it. I... I was with a pastor friend, another, another pastor friend. I was presenting the same thing, and we, we, we were talking about um, just the ministry that I get to be a part of, and he, 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 he kind of joked with me and said, hey, you, you know what Adolf Hitler did whenever um, he, he changed the country, whenever he rose to power? He went to the universities first, and he changed the country in less than 10 years. Man, if we as a church got together and went to the universities where it's, secularism has just run rampant. And not to mention the, the, the liberalism that is in downtown Columbia, too. If we together as a church got together and just did this, man, so much, we could be capable of so much. So many souls would come to see Christ. We could change the country. We could. We could do it. I, want you, I also want to ask that you would pray that God will continue to bring willing and faithful partners alongside this ministry. Because if you can't tell, I'm passionate about this, and I want you to be passionate about it too. I want others to be passionate about it. So pray that God would people pray that God would would bring people to see the need for for this, and also come alongside of it. Then lastly, pray that the gospel is heard above all else, and that it will begin and remain the foundation of this ministry. Because other than that, I, I believe it's in vain. I believe it's in vain. So. 
I, I have prayer cards. I, I have business cards. I have any, any possible way that you can get to know me or support me and it, on a table. It's a little round table um, out there in the foyer. So come and talk to me after service, and I would love to meet you. Seriously, I would love to meet you. So um, like, like I said, we're going to be in John chapter 4 tonight, verses uh, 34 and 35. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to those, to those two verses. You know, I asked for a bottle of water, and there was already one up here. I'm sorry if you're in here that I stole your bottle of water. <laughs> Awesome. So, John chapter 4, verses 34 and 35 are actually the theme verses of the Axis. And um, these two verses serve as a reminder of our calling here on this earth, as well as how rich of an opportunity we have to act on it. And there, there's many ways to exploit our calling. And when I say calling, I mean from Matthew 28. It, it looks different for everyone. It, it does. It does. But this is why the Axis exists. And I, I'm going to read these two verses to you. Um, in, in verse 34, um, starting, it says, Jesus said unto them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say that there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. So when we read these verses, we kind of have to understand what, what the context is behind these. And it's a very familiar passage. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture, actually. It, the whole chapter of John 4. Jesus and his disciples were in Samaria, and that was profound, actually. That, that was profound. Jesus had the, had the encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus was a Jewish man. He, he tells this heavily, suburban, heavily, heavily burdened Samaritan woman everything that she had ever done and pardoned her for it anyway. And because of this interaction, her life was changed. Jesus revealed himself as the Messiah, the source of the living water, and he offered eternal life. And she was just so changed by this conversation that she just went and told everyone about it. Everyone about it. And I think this is a beautiful passage. There's so much to learn from this narrative. One, the fact that Jesus went out of his way. He went out of his way to talk with this woman. So, so often, we hesitate to go out of our own way for the needs of others. The fact that Jesus was a Jew and she was a Samaritan, again, the, these two cultures hated each other historically. They hated each other. They held drastic differences in historical and cultural background, yet Jesus still approached her. And so often, we, we let these barriers stop us from doing what we know God would smile on, doing what we know God would be pleased with. The fact that he claimed to be the living water and the ultimate source of salvation for all, and we can still rest in that today. And lastly, the fact that the lady was so excited about her life being changed that she went and told everyone about it, which reminds us of the joy of our own salvation. The very first time we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we felt like we could run through that wall right there, right? And like nobody, nobody could stop us. Nobody could stop us. But after all this, the disciples meet back up with Jesus and they encourage him to eat as if they were, so, as if they were ignorant to everything that had just happened. They encourage him to eat. In the circumstances of traveling with Jesus, I... I can imagine that it had been a while since they'd eaten. I can imagine that. Jesus was not about comfort. They, they traveled quite a bit. They probably didn't eat, but maybe once a day. They, I imagine that, that he was hungry, and he was probably thirsty too. So we relate to the disciples here, kind of. But verse 34 is where, verse 34 holds a central message of how we should respond to this passage. To reiterate, I'm going to read it again. He says, My food 
is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. 1800s English theologian Henry Alford writes in accordance in response to this passage, Jesus found great satisfaction in doing the will of God even when he was weary. In fact, the conscious doing of God's will refreshed the weary Jesus. The bodily thirst and hunger probably from the time of day which our Lord had felt before had been and was forgotten in the carrying on of his divine work in the soul of this Samaritan woman. What commitment, right? Like That's beautiful. That's beautiful. But the reality is that, that living in obedience to what we are called to requires some level of commitment that goes beyond our desire for pleasure, that goes beyond our, our desire for nourishment or, or for wealth or for acceptance, really anything, right? It, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. You see, Jesus, j- j- just, as, just as food nourishes our physical bodies, Jesus speaks of a much deeper nourishment, and that nourishment only comes from the carrying on of God's will for our lives, which is to glorify Him. And this is, this is something that He invites us to. He's not like, hey, you need to do this or else. He, he, he invites us to it. He, he invites us to consider the true source of satisfaction because it is true. How many of you have ever done something before, done something that you know is good, and you just felt really good about it? You're like, hey, I just did something good. I just did something really good. That was awesome. That was awesome. How, we, we know how that feels. That, that's innate within us. But there, there's, there's another side of this coin. We cannot live in such a way that we're just constantly consuming things. And I'm not talking about eating good food all the time. They took me out to Mexican before this, and it was great. It was a great meal. I, I, I love to eat, but I'm, not, I'm talking about constantly hearing instruction and never doing anything about it. If we are, even if it's good instructions on, on what we are to do or how we are to live, what use does it have if we never actually put it into practice? I, I, I was at the YMCA not too long ago, and um, after this workout that I got to do, I was like, hey, I'm going to go shoot basketball for a little bit. I was, I was on the court. I was on his half court to myself, but on the other side of the half court, there was a father working with his son, and they're, they're working on layups. And to finish their, to finish their time together... The father's like, hey, son, I want you to make five left-hand layups as, as fast as you can, or five, five right-hand layups as fast as you can on the right side, and I want you to do the same thing on the left-hand side with using your left hand. So if you're a basketball player in here, you know how important it is to use both hands. So the son knocks out the five right-hand, ray, right-hand layups like they're nothing. Then he goes to the left side, and he dribbles down the lane, and he makes the layup, the first one, but he did it with his right hand on the left side. And the son, the, dad, the father's like, that's that's his son. His son's young now, he's, so he's 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 showing him a little bit of grace. He's like, that was good, son. How about you try it again? This time, this time, use your left hand. He gave him a little pat on the back, I think. So he he dribbles he dribbles back to the three point line, and he dribbles down the lane, and he makes the layup again. But guess what? He did it with his right hand again. So his father's like, son, I I I need you to use your left hand. Try to use it with your left hand. We still have five more to go. So to be sure, you you would think that he would use his left hand this time. No. He dribbles down the, he dribbles down the lane, and he makes the layup again, but he used his right hand. And his, his father's like, son, I need you to practice with your left hand. If you want to be good in middle school, if you want to be good in high school, if you want to be on a, make a team, you need to be able to develop that left hand. I need you to practice with it. And I was, I was looking, and I was kind of laughing, because it was, it, was, it, was it was kind of a funny situation, because you could tell the father's just like, hmm. But anyways, it reminded me of a, of a verse from Scripture, and it said, 
but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I think the point is that, that we know the instructions that we have been given already as a church. We know them. We hear it all the time. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. Make disciples. And this is what it's all about. This is what the church is all about. This is what we should be about. And this is what the Axis is about, making disciples of international students. That's the heart of the Axis. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says to, to his disciples that they would be his witnesses to Judea, then to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. How are you doing this now? How, how are you impacting Lincolnton? How are you impacting Hickory? Whatever town that you're from, how are you impacting where you're from? Wherever you might call home. You can be doing this in your current context of life. There's just too much opportunity for us to sit and remain apathetic towards what we know we've been called to. We come in this, we come in these church doors every Sunday, Sunday morning, maybe Sunday night. Y'all do Sunday night service here. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. No? Okay. That's fine. We come in here every Sunday and Wednesday and we sit in the pews and we hear the same things. Maybe we hear to go and make disciples. We, we are sent with that from the church doors, but we never actually do anything about it. This leads to my next point. This is where we, in, we need to embrace the harvest. And verse 35 actually adds another layer to Jesus' teaching here. And this, this is the theme verse of the Axis. I have a t-shirt that actually has the latter part of it on the back. It says, Do you not say that there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Jesus is using the idea of food and harvest to communicate spiritual ideas here. The idea of the harvest is used oftentimes throughout Scripture to relate to something deeper or something bigger, but in this context, he's referring to the reality that there are many people that are ready to be received into the kingdom of God and that his disciples, and similarly, you and I, should see themselves as workers or reapers in that harvest. I, I love... I love the language that Jesus uses here too. He says, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes, as, as if he's talking to somebody that's, that's, that's walking like this. What, what, good, what good does this do? Like, we're not paying attention to anything that's around us. I like to think of somebody walking and texting at the same time. I'm incapable of doing it. I, I'm incapable. If, if somebody texts me and I'm walking, I have to stop what I'm doing, pay attention, send the text, put my phone down, and then go. And then if you throw stairs into that equation, it's, it's awful. I'm going to break a leg or something. It, it's, it's awful. But the, my point is, we are missing a lot if we're not searching for the opportunities that are always all around us. Always all around us. And I, can I be blunt? Can I be blunt? Can I be forward with you tonight? I think he's just telling us to wake up. Wake up. Why, why do we postpone or delay fulfilling our calling, assuming that there is still time, or that there will always be time? We will do it when we get there. That's the pastor's job. That's the missionary's job. When the stars align, when I'm wise enough, when I'm old enough, when, I'm, when I feel better, he's all the way on the other side of the building. Why? Maybe if he comes this way, I'll, I'll have a conversation with him. That's not what we're called to do. That's not how we're called to live. Matthew 9, 37 
says the harvest is plentiful. There's that word harvest again. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And maybe you know where I'm going with this. Jesus in this passage is warning his disciples that the good of a harvest here can go to waste if there are no laborers to take advantage of the bounty. The opportunities to meet human need and bring people into his kingdom may be wasted because of a shortage of actual laborers. And I have a Charles Spurgeon quote pretty religiously in every sermon of mine, and this is one of them in response to this passage. He says, Pretenders were many. I'm going to read that again. Pretenders were many, but real laborers in the harvest were few. Still are the fields encumbered with gentlemen who cannot use the sickle. Still the real and gatherers are few and far between. Where are the instructive soul-winning ministries? Don't, don't we just love, I'm saying this sarcastically, don't we just love working with people who don't carry their own weight? As laborers for the body of Christ, or even in the workplace, we see somebody who's not carrying their own weight, it drives us up a wall, right? So on a real note, what are you? Are, are you pretending? Are you a pretender? Or are you a real laborer for Christ? I think, I think people get confused whenever they say, I don't feel called to missions. When the only calling on our lives is to go and to make disciples, to live on mission every, everywhere we go. And those instructions are clear. They're clear. Then there's, there's people that feel strongly called to go overseas, to the outermost parts of the earth. Again, I'm not making light of that at all. I, I'm saying I think this conviction is beautiful, but if you're not doing anything now in your current context of life, what makes you think that you're going to do it overseas? If you aren't doing anything, honestly, in America where we're, we're free to practice our religion, what makes you think you're going to do it in a place where it's not allowed? We're honestly, it's, here, it's just easier here. And I'm not saying the Christian life is easy. I'm just saying it's, it's more free to do it here. Well, one friend of mine says it this way, and this was probably two years ago now, and this has always resonated with me. He says, there is no plan B. Plan A is, is, is actually Christ dying on the cross for all the sins of humanity, the resurrection of himself so that all of humanity could have the decision to follow him into everlasting life. Then we, as a church, are to be the people that carry this good news everywhere. That's plan A. That's it. That's it. There is no plan B. He did it for, every, he did it for your neighbor, for your, for your friend that you work with, for your coworker, for your removed family member, for the international student who speaks no English, that feels lonely, just like the ones that I shared in the beginning. For the ones that feel like they have no hope in life because of whatever, whoever and wherever, there is no plan B, we are plan A. We're plan A. And Jesus encourages his disciples to recognize the urgency of the spiritual harvest around them. We should not wait for some future moment for the stars to align but actively seize the opportunities that are presented to us. And don't tell me that the opportunities aren't there. Because I think you know that they are.
Jesus calls his disciples to lift up their eyes and see the readiness of the harvest. Likewise, we are urged to open our spiritual eyes and recognize the opportunities that are all around us. So then we know we have to respond to this divine call. If we understand the nourishment that we receive in God's will and acknowledging the readiness of the harvest, we have to respond with some sort of obedience. But we understand that the Christian life is just not easy. It's not. It's not. And actually, nowhere in the Bible does it say that Christian life would be easy. In fact, Jesus even warned his disciples that it was going to be really, really hard. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent out his 12 disciples to the lost sheep. He warned them that persecution would come their way. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. And in chapter 10, verse 16, verse 16, he warns them of being beaten, being dragged before national leaders to bear witness, and being delivered over to people who would ridicule them. But then what does he say later? He says, he says do not be anxious. Do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you, are, what you are to say will be given to you. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. That's no different. That's no different. Our God is the same then as He is today, and He always will be. Then later on in chapter 10, He says this, this, this beautiful affirmation. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you're of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. That is just such a motivating and powerful assurance. That should be all that we need. Jesus knew what the cost was to follow him. He knew how dangerous it could be. So he gives them this beautiful promise that it's, just tr it's still true for us today. So I want you to realize that there, there's going to be hard times. We, we can agree with that. We, we can. But we are safe with our Father. It may be difficult to tell somebody of Jesus or what he has done for you in your life. Do, do not be anxious, for he will give you the words to speak. Be bold. Be confident. Be confident knowing that the Lord is on your side and that He's always going to guide you through those hard conversations and equip you in ways that you never, never thought you were capable of. Guys, I'm, I'm a 23-year-old with an exercise science degree. I don't even have a missions degree. Look where I'm going. It, and I, we all have our own unique opportunities. It is His will that we take the gospel to the lost souls of this earth He's always, he's always been faithful to, to provide for his will. And that's what, that's what we can rest in. But again, can we also remember that, that Jesus was not about comfort in his ministry. In his earthly ministry, it was, it was just never comfortable. Think about that. From, from his birth in a food trough in a smelly barn with animals all around him, during his time on earth, he was despised and rejected, and he went out of his way to do amazing things anyway, to change lives, and then he died for it. And he didn't just, he didn't just die. He died the most, in the most shameful and embarrassing way possible on a cross. Crucifixion. You see, it was, it was never about comfort. And we're to live to exemplify him. 
This is what he invites us to. This is the way that he invites us to is, to, is not for our comfort. It is to live a life in response to the cross. It is to live a life that is fully committed to our purpose, whatever the circumstance might be. Luke 9, 23 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We can let Scripture speak for itself. I, it's, it's about the cross. The, the least we can do is have that hard conversation, whatever that case may be for us, to, to share the gospel with somebody who has been on our hearts for a long time that we've just been kind of dodging. I think, I think we kind of owe it to them. I think we owe it to Christ. I want you to realize today that we've all been given a command. We, we've been given a command to go and to tell, and again, maybe I don't need to remind you of that. Or maybe I do. I, I don't, I'm not sure. The question is, what are you doing to act on it? Are you playing your part? Are you being a real laborer, or are you pretending? Are you being obedient where you're at? And I, I've, I come to you tonight, I, I'm still working on this. I still struggle with this. No, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I fall short, and sometimes I feel like I'm just pretending. Maybe there's a family member that you have that does not know Jesus. Get together with them. Make time for them. Pray for them. Is there a friend of yours who denies Jesus that you've just been working on for a long time, and you're like, Man, I wish you would get it, but you've come to a point of just giving up. You're like, I, you know what? I give up. I give up. It's too difficult. He's not. Follow up with them. Make yourself relevant in their lives. Or maybe you've been avoiding serving in church or in ministry or even, even on the missions field because you are scared of what may become of you. Trust that the Lord has thoroughly equipped you already. He's thoroughly equipped you already. And that he is going to guide you through it all according to his perfect plan. I, I want to invite you guys to, to bow your heads and close your eyes as we close in prayer. As Pastor Luke maybe wants to lead in, uh, uh, lead in an invitation, I want you to remember that there's, there's no plan B. That the fields are white for harvest, and we are to be obedient and follow through as workers that, that tend to this, that tend to it. And it will bring you joy. It will. Being in the will of God is worth more than anything this world can offer you. So let's take that step of faith together. As... Brother Eric's going to play softly for us. Stand to everyone, stand to their feet. So we have a moment of reflection over what the Lord has done in our hearts uh, this evening. The question he asked is, are you being obedient where you're at?